Your day has just begun. But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Are you ready? Ready. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Hashtag NBA. No, I don't support any of that. Maybe I could have been more clear of what I thought Deshaun was correct about, but I didn't feel to, I didn't feel the need to go into a conversation that me and him had about how they was treating him and Riley Cooper. I could have changed those words, but the people that know me, my Jewish friends that I talk to today, they know that the last thing I was spewing was to defend Hitler or any other post. That's why I didn't speak on Hitler or even speak on this post. Steven Jackson waiting into the issue around Deshaun Jackson, and now he's explaining and apologizing what he was doing. Deshaun Jackson has an invitation from Julian Edelman, the Patriots wide receiver who is Jewish, to visit the Holocaust Memorial Museum in D.C., and Edelman said he would go uh, to the new Smithsonian, well, relatively new Smithsonian uh, History of uh, African Americans. Correct, yeah. That's which uh, I have been to, and like most Smithsonian's, is massive and overwhelming. If you think you can block out a good chunk of an afternoon and see it, well, you can, but you can only see about 20% of it. There was a lot to see. Like most Smithsonian's, it was really well done. So, Julian Edelman trying to make something positive come out of this and uh, see if any other teammates want to join him, make a little a bigger group. It is, uh, I, have, I have not been to the Holocaust Museum, and I did do that one afternoon in the, in the, uh, the African American uh, Smithsonian right there on the mall. Uh, you take an elevator down like three stories underground, and then you walk your way up, and there are so many exhibits. If you're reading them and really trying to get through all of them, I mean, you can just kind of walk it and cursory look at it, I guess. And, but I, I was two and a half hours in, and I was in the middle of the second floor. There was a long way to go. And it was like five or six stories above ground. I, I don't know what's there. I never got to that part of it. So, kudos to Julian Edelman. I mean, that goes back to what PK says, right? One-on-one, form a bond, Go read the stories, go see the photos, see the exhibits, and uh, try to get an idea of what somebody went through either decades or centuries before you were born, in the case of each museum. Uh, the other NBA news, the Atlanta Hawks G League affiliate, first team in the league to hire a woman general manager, promoting Tori Miller to the post. She's going to lead the College Park Skyhawks, and uh, we have talked about this, and the NBA seems to be going down this path very slowly, but... Why can't a woman coach at that level? Why can't a woman be a GM at that level or a, a personnel director? I mean, to actually play the game and play in the NBA, I mean, do you just have, you know, the frame and the athletic ability? Well, that, that seems really unlikely. Uh, but as far as coaching, knowing the game, we've seen the Spurs with uh, Becky Hammond, and there's all kinds of stories about her being poised to be an assi- a head coach at some point and sooner or not later. So Tori Miller promoted to G League GM. As far as your Utah Jazz, uh, no positive test for COVID-19 upon arriving in Orlando and undergoing quarantine. Uh, they've had two separate tests administered to all the staff members. The Jazz held their first practice. Magic Suns, Nets, and Wizards are uh, practicing in the bubble. And, you know, Major League Soccer and the NBA are right there together in the bubble. And you see teams in the MLS bubble saying, we're out of the tournament. 
uh, FC Dallas and Nashville have pulled out. And you wonder, well, how secure is the bubble? Those two teams came into the bubble with positive tests. You know, it's it's partly the rules of how you enter it. And then if they're still interacting it, they're passing it to guys and you know, they're gonna they're gonna end up with five and then six and eight, nine or ten positive tests. Teams that go in without anything, if they don't interact with anybody else, and obviously the hotel staff that lives in Florida where there's you know it's a it's a hot zone there, is that gonna be an issue? And so far the answer is no. We'll see how this goes going forward. We're going to talk jazz with David Locke, radio voice of the jazz at 7.30. Stay with us. Hashtag NFL. I think that every guy's situation is different. There could be a guy who has a, a child with asthma and really just doesn't want to bring it back home or you have a pregnant wife. And I think that the one thing that I would say to that is there shouldn't be a stigma if you do choose to opt out. If there, if there is a legitimate reason for you to be opting out and you don't feel comfortable, whether it's for yourself, whether it's for your family, you're making the best decision for yourself and for your family. And if we ever get to the point where we're shaming people for dropping out of a sport, because they want to protect the health of their family, then then we're in a tough spot. And of course, there uh, is the possibility or probability of shaming because otherwise, JJ Watt wouldn't have had to say that. You know, if there was zero shaming and zero talk of that behind the scenes, it wouldn't happen. Now, I will say, you know, JJ Watt's got a name and he's got stature, so I think him saying that. I think when you ever get in a discussion like this, there's there's a small group of people who want to shame and a small group of people who are really adamant about not shaming. Probably there's a much bigger group in the middle that hasn't really thought of it one way or another. And that's why we need leaders, because some people need to be led. And maybe you don't need to be led on this issue, but you need to be led on that one over there. So I think someone like J.J. Watt speaking up, Especially if you can get a couple more stars to speak up on it. Maybe that can, you know, a star in every locker room talking to the guys about it. Maybe that can move it forward. I think he's right. You know, the, I think the, the discussion in society about healthy people need to work and then the older people just need to stay home. I, I just think that's oversimplified. You don't know who's got kidney issues or interacts with somebody who has kidney issues or is diabetic or has asthma or has one of a gazillion other immune system issues you know had uh, had pneumonia 20 years ago and has scarred lungs so you never know not not only what one person is going through but the people around them you know spouses kids uh, elderly relatives they're taking care of maybe it's a grandparent but maybe it's a great aunt or great uncle that might resonate a little more here I think we have more extended families here uh, so you never know and you just got to kind of let it slide and you may not understand why you need to wear a mask but you really need to wear a mask for the person who sits at the next desk or the next cubicle. So hopefully all that'll happen. But, you know, if it wasn't an issue, J.J. Watt wouldn't have had to say something. My guess is he's saying something because he's heard private conversations, a text message, a phone call, whatever it is. DJ and PK. Hashtag college football. This decision would allow us to, one, do the right thing by our student-athletes, keep them at the forefront of all of our decisions, and make sure we create an environment to give us the best chance to play. I mean, one thing we have to, to realize is that this is not a fade out complete that we're going to have sports in the fall. Uh, we may not have sports in the fall. We may not have a college uh, football season in the Big Ten. That's Kevin Warren, and he is the new Big Ten commissioner, and that was a big old dump truck full of bad news. But 
If you say it was surprising, that's a you problem. Mark Harlan came on the air three months ago and told us we're looking at a conference only. And he told us we're looking at spring football. And he told us there is a scenario where there's no football, non-conference or conference, fall or spring. So you're looking at four levels of bad news, and the Big Ten made one of them official yesterday. And I expect all the other conferences are going to follow. I really think the dominoes are going to fall here. And nobody else wants to do it right away, but the Big 12 is assessing the situation. There's all kinds of rumors and sources about the Pac-12 is about to do it. We're going to talk to Mark Harlan at 8 o'clock. He's going to join us this morning in less than an hour. And there's all kinds of stories out of the ACC, too. And at that point, for the SEC... Oh, what are they left with? All the Power 5 games are gone. <laughs> I mean, where, where else are you going? I suppose they could play some non-conference games by scheduling Sunbelt teams that are kind of local. And I am a little surprised that that option is off the table. And the only reason I can think that it would be off the table now, and obviously this would affect BYU, because maybe they could pick up some, some local or regional games. You know, with, they have one scheduled with the Utes and... Uh, Utah State, they've got one. And could they turn that into a home-and-home? Do they play Weber State? Do they run quickly down to Arizona or Arizona State and give one of those schools a home game at some point? Because obviously BYU is going to need to fill in here in the the, uh, Big Ten. They're losing Michigan State and Minnesota. ASU is already on the schedule. They're down two games. You're right. You got me there. And if the Pac-12 says no, then ASU goes away and Utah goes away. And Stanford. And Stanford goes away. That's five games gone. New Mexico State, hello. Really, though. Uh, Notre Dame is expected to be taken care of by the ACC, which does put them on an odd number of teams. And maybe there's an opportunity there. But we may also find out that they're only trying to play six games or they're only trying to play eight games. Maybe uh, playing 12 and fulfilling the full TV contract is a pipe dream. And maybe what you do is you just short your own network. And you take care of ESPN and Fox. So you get those big checks from ESPN and Fox. All questions for Mark Harlan at 8 o'clock this morning. Many questions. Are they even thinking about 12 anymore? Could they go to 11? If the Pac-12 goes inside the conference, could they play 11? Will the, is the Big Ten thinking about uh, playing 12 games? they got 14 teams. And do you front load the schedule with division games and divide a, decide a division champ off of that? Hey, we're only going to play five, six, seven games this year. Let's make sure all the division games get played. In the Pac-12, obviously, that would just be five games. Do they just throw out that schedule we've all been looking at? Throw it out. Play the five Pac-12 South games first if you're Utah. Is that where they're headed? And as Kevin Warren says, for all the BYU fans stressing right now, and we'll get to this because we got up on our Facebook page, DJ and PK, don't don't, don't stress too much about the schedule. You know, there's still a chance that uh, there are no games. In which case, all the stress about well, what are we going to do? Do what everybody else is going to do. You're not going to play football in this year. Now, that's still a ways away. They they can still push fall to spring, but we know for sure it's going to be any better in the spring. And how many players aren't going to want to play and how late can spring go without impacting the start of the next season in the fall? Uh, not questions I'm sure they have answers to, but we'll talk with Mark Harlan about it. And as far as what they're going to do with the playoff, is that going to stay at its date? Are they going to move it back a month so there's a few more weekends to try and squeeze games in? Executive Director Bill Hancock told ESPN the group will continue to use its existing protocol to determine the top four teams in the country. He says that's why we've got 13 football experts, and their task is to pick the four best teams. Maybe that'll be obvious. Maybe it won't. We're losing big interconference games, right? There's a list of 
Depending on how you define big, there's a list of 8 to 10 to 12 Big Ten games. I mean, I think everybody's looking forward to seeing Wisconsin and Notre Dame at Lambeau Field, and now it's not going to happen, at least not this year. They can push it back and reschedule it somewhere else. Ohio State and Oregon, Washington and Michigan. I don't know what you consider Iowa, Iowa State. I'm sure in the state of Iowa, they really look forward to it. I don't know how many of us watch it, so... Big is a relative term. The governor in Iowa said that game cannot go away. So we'll see. And there is a certain amount of, hey, if you've got a long-term relationship, you can be flexible. That's what this is going to require is flexibility. It's going to require give and take. And inside a conference, you've got that. But in some of these in-state games, obviously BYU-Utah here, but a Florida-Florida State, a South Carolina-Clemson, Georgia-Georgia Tech, you know, there's relationships and there's flexibility. Texas, Texas A&M, there's no flexibility whatsoever. They loathe each other. They haven't played since A&M went to the SEC. All right, Mark Harlan, 8 o'clock. Got a lot of questions for him. DJ and PK. Hashtag Major League Baseball. Angels third baseman Anthony Rendon says he doesn't want to play with piped-in crowd noise this season after hearing it for the first time this week. It's like you have two of your senses that aren't coinciding. It says it's like you're looking at pizza, but you're smelling hamburger. You hear noise, but there are no people. You don't see anybody. I think it was dumb. I'd rather listen to music. I got to tell you, just play baseball. I'll live with either one. I've watched soccer with it piped in, and it's weird because they cut to a shot, and you realize there's nobody there, and it's weird but it was fine. I kept watching it. And then there are other uh, places where they're not piping it in. Well, MLS, they're not. And you can hear guys yelling at each other. That's fine. I kind of want to hear... In the NBA, I kind of want to hear guys yell at each other. When we used to sit in the second and third row, I knew what play was coming because Jerry Sloan called it out. Now it's a little different the way they run their offense now. Um, But I knew what play was coming. I knew what to watch for because I knew what the key moments in the play were. Power! Power! Four down! Four down! I mean, I heard it a billion times. I referenced it once to Jerry. Uh, Summer League, if you really learn anything about these guys, are you still, you know, installing plays and teaching them what power and four down are? And looking at me like, oh, that's really good. I'm like, man, Jerry's got a low opinion of me. (laughs) I've heard a play called a million times and I can't recognize it. I mean, I wasn't a great high school basketball player, but I I knew all the plays. (laughs) I didn't jump particularly well. I didn't run particularly well. I could shoot it a little bit, but I knew the plays, Jerry. <laughs> when Jeff Ordestick goes running across the baseline, he's going to set a screen for Carl Malone. It's not brain surgery. <laughs> Come on, Jerry, give me a little credit. <laughs> DJ and PK. Hashtag RSL. RSL opens the MLS's back tournament Sunday night, 8.30 against the Colorado Rapids in Orlando on ESPN. I ran that by Dunny on Talking Real last night. And, you know, what are you expecting? And I got back the shrug emoji. <laughs> I just think it's a huge question, and it's what Dunny got to when he finally got to being serious and stopped screwing around, is that when teams haven't played for four months, what do you expect? And I think the most predictable sport, just like the most watchable sport, is baseball. Because hitters can take BP, and I think if uh, you know if a good hitter, if John if John Carlos Stanton gets a fastball that doesn't have a lot of movement and it's out over the plate a little bit, I think he's going to crush it over the wall because it doesn't take a lot of people interacting. But a football offense takes a lot of people interacting. A defense doesn't. I think the defenses will look pretty good. I think they will be 
to reach for one of the great cliches a little in front of the offense. You know, is this is this RSL Colorado game? Is it really going to flow or is it going to be choppy? Because when a pass is just a half step behind somebody, that's all the defense needs to recover. And the, and the counter's not on anymore. It's over. The scoring opportunity's gone. And I think we're going to see that in, in the NBA too. How crisp are these guys going to be? Just one match today. Sounders are playing the Earthquakes tonight on ESPN if you need a game at 7 o'clock. And Utah Royals are playing their final group match. Well, stage match? I don't know. It's four games out of an 18 group. I don't know. It's preliminary a, stage. Okay, we'll go with that. 8 o'clock, Zions Bank Stadium against the Red Stars. And the Monarchs are going to play in front of fans Saturday afternoon. Correct. It's a little test run, I do believe. They're trying to manage four to 5,000 people. Monarchs don't typically have 5,000 people show up. Now we got some pent-up demand here. Maybe they will. Well, they're getting a run over at Rio Tinto uh-huh. Stadium. Uh-huh. So we'll and all Dunny would say is, August 15, remember that date. August 15, 15, remember that date. Okay. So if we were to have MLS games and home markets on August 15, I wouldn't be surprised. And depending on how the dry run goes Saturday afternoon, I think the Monarchs game is at 2 o'clock. Depending on how that dry run goes, if there are a few thousand people now with I don't know how many people are going to show, and I don't know if they're going to be comfortable enough to say, hey, we can add 500 more, or that was a little too much, let's take away 1,000. You know, they'll, they've got wiggle room to do whatever they want based on how the experience goes. But i got to believe on some level, when you hear these things, they're thinking about putting some fans in MLS stadiums and in Rio Tinto Stadium at some point. Maybe not for the first game. Maybe they'll try to do a couple games before they do games with fans. But MLS... TV ratings aren't as good. A disproportionate share of the income comes at the gate from ticket sales. Versus, I mean, obviously the NBA and the NFL are making a lot of money in ticket sales, but they've also got this massive TV revenue stream. You know, in baseball and basketball, they've got the local plus the national. And MLS doesn't have anything like that. So the, the tickets become more important and figuring out how to put three, four, five thousand 5,000 people in the stadium becomes more important too. What is Trending is brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. Receive a free reverse osmosis system with the purchase of any water softener at Shamrock Plumbing. And a 1 295 1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing. All right, David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, is coming up next. Mark Harlan at 8 o'clock. BYU fans, you've lost two games with the Big Ten. You might lose three more with the Pac 12. There's a Missouri SEC game looming out there. Plans, options, emotions, feelings. Possibly therapy session. I don't know. Hit us up on uh, Facebook, DJ and PK. Already some of you commenting there. I'll put it up on Twitter, David DJ James. We'll get to that in the 8 o'clock hour. Gordon Monson's going to join us later this morning, too. So stay with us. Let's go. The Big Show. It's a big deal. With Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. He writes for Yahoo Sports as well as Real GM. He's our friend Keith Smith. Now, all the sports talk, I did a pretty good job of staying in shape. And most guys said, it's basketball shape, basketball rhythm. That's what I got to get back into here over the next couple of weeks. I do think those teams that are ready to go. It's funny, I talked to a coach who said, I think young teams, because they're going to come in and, you know, they can get right out of the game and going. They're going to be good. Then I had another coach tell me almost immediately after that, in the same day, say, I'm worried about the young teams because those are the guys who rely on the crowd to lift them a lot more. So I don't know if those teams are going to do quite so well in this environment. So I think really it's coming into, we just don't really know what to expect. The Big Show, weekdays from 2 to 7 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.
We're brought to you in part by Master Electrical Services. Master Electrical is always open during this challenging time. Call Master Electrical at 801-543-2222 for upfront pricing and your satisfaction guaranteed. Master Electrical will light up your day. One thing we didn't hit in the headlines there in what is trending, the UHSAA. Given the go-ahead for fall sports, I mean, at least for now, I guess everything can be reversed and uh, principals and school districts could do it. But at the state level, it's it's good to go. And I guess whatever local people decide down the line. But right now, high school sports is on. And for all the people starting high school football practices, I guess they needed some clearance on that. And you know, we'll see over time what every district says and what every school says based on their their local situation. We always talk about how the coronavirus numbers and situations are different all around the country. And uh, I think on a, uh, on a, especially in the smaller Western states and probably in some other states, but I'm, I'm more familiar with this side of the country. I haven't lived my whole life here, but uh, in some of these bigger, I was going to say in some of the smaller Eastern states, it might be different, but in these bigger Western states, you know, what, what is true in Seattle isn't necessarily true in Spokane. And, you know, we've seen that in Utah and different counties as well. So see so yeah, how that plays out. But high school sports got a green light yesterday from the Utah High School Activities Association. So there's that. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. We're going to talk with uh, Mark Harlan, Utah Athletic Director, coming up at 8 o'clock. And uh, David Locke is going to join us at 7.30 here. So he'll be back. He'll be with us uh, here in just a minute to talk jazz basketball. The Jazz with their first practice. Get a few practices in. Then they've got the three scrimmages set up. And then they'll be into the games 20 days from today. And... uh, and they'll play the eight regular season games that uh, that Bowler and Locke are going to broadcast and then into the playoffs. It's really intrigued to see what this looks like. I think it's really encouraging that they got to this first practice. None of the positive tests that have uh, have plagued other teams and have really plagued Major League Soccer to the point two teams dropped out. I think if the NBA had a team or two dropping out, that would be a massive story. But uh, the word we've gotten from Orlando is the Jazz. All the tests were good so far. So... A step forward right there, and now they can get out of their rooms and go to practice after 48 hours of complete and total lockdown, which, of course, you know, changes everything, ups the risk and all that. But, uh, man, it's got to be good to get out of the hotel room after 48 hours. You can only watch you can only watch so many movies. You can only text so much. And then it's good to just get out and walk around and spread out. Uh, we got a question up on Facebook for you. And uh, what do you think of BYU? What are your uh, what are your thoughts? What are your plans? Any advice for Tom Homo? Your reaction? People pretty down with BYU losing two games, and it's easy to see that number go to six. It'll be interesting, you know, with the group of five. Uh, BYU game can be one of the bigger TV availabilities. So there'll be a little. Will there be a little more flexibility there? What will the Mountain West say? Uh, intrigued by that. We'll get to all of that uh, coming up later this morning. DJ and PK, it's time to bring in David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz. David's weekly appearance is brought to you by Murdoch Auto Team. David, good morning. This is so cool. You know why? Why? Because I remember when I first started in the business, I thought the coolest thing, and this was like when I was in L.A., and it's 1992, and starting in the business means that for my graduation present from college, this is uh, my dad actually gave, bought me um, a radio like station, eight 30 minute shows at 1130 at night on Sundays on a L.A. station where you could buy time so I could have resume tapes. 
So that was my version of being in the business. Ah. But I, rem- I remember that, like, the thing that I thought early in the business was the coolest was the Jazz traded Eric Murdoch for Jay Humphreys, and I was a huge Jazz fan. I was like, why would they do that? I love Eric Murdoch. I was a toy bum. And um, so I picked up the phone and called Brad Rock. I was like, hi, this is David Locke of KIV 870 in Los Angeles. And I just wanted to get some insight on this trade. And, like, really all it was, I was a talk show host caller, but there wasn't talk shows really that yet, totally. And so this is cool because you're the most informed person I know who's thought all of these things through. And I'm just going to start asking you questions. So Big Ten ACC what do you think happens next? They play conference-only games, and then later on they announce that the season isn't going to start on Labor Day weekend, and they push it back to October, and then depending on how things go from there, and I'm no epidemiologist, uh, but how things go from there depends on whether they kick it off in late September or early October or late October or early November. Okay, I don't entirely understand, other than time, what the Big Ten and the ACC think they bought by doing this? I think, I'm afraid, I don't want to believe this, but I was thinking this through last night, I'm afraid they're admitting to themselves they're not going to play 12 games. And They have, okay. they have 14 team leagues. They could play 12 games with conferences and just keep sliding the schedule back. I, what I hope they did is that they've decided they're going to play the, the college football playoff after the Super Bowl. And that they're giving themselves, I, I can't do the math live on the air, but about 20 weeks to try and play the 12 games. I'm afraid they're going to end up playing six or eight. Well, what do you, I mean, what, so you just think they bought time? Yes. Is your take. Yeah. Okay. Because really, most of these big schools aren't traveling for non-conference games. Right, but they they need to start practicing now to be ready for Labor Day. They don't think they can practice now. We just saw North Carolina had 37 positive tests and shut right. down for a week. So, And Ohio State shut down for a week but didn't announce the number. So they're thinking we're not going to be able to kick off to October. I don't know if we're going to get all our games in. How are we going to reschedule these non-conference games? Never mind. This is not a petulant move to just screw over their non-conference opponents. Right. Because... They're giving up Wisconsin-Notre Dame. And someone is calling from a TV network. I assume that's an ESPN game, but maybe it's a Fox game. And someone is calling from a TV network. WT bleep. <laughs> what are you doing? And they're literally like, we just don't think we can pull this off. You know, they're, they're getting, they've got doctors and medical schools at some of these campuses, obviously. And they're looking at the trend of where this is going to go over the next eight weeks. And they're thinking, there's no way we're playing 12 games. Heck, we're not even playing 10. That's what I'm afraid of. I don't know that. Nobody's told me that. That's what I'm afraid of. What the data that we don't have, we can probably guess. The data we don't have is like North Carolina has all those tests. Is that because these guys are all living in the same house? Or is that because they're having football practice against each other? Well, the things that have gone public that we know is that Texas had 13 positive tests a couple of weeks ago because they all met at somebody's apartment. And I don't know if they, you know, had right. a keg or played video games or both or whatever, but they got together in a social group. Maybe they just ordered pizza and hung out, whatever. They were in a social group. What they did didn't matter. It was a lot of people in a smaller area. We know that what happened at LSU is 30 guys went to a nightclub. 
So right. you're yelling over the music to be heard. You're singing. You're dancing. All that stuff forces air out of your lungs in an enclosed area. They end up with 30 positive tests. We know so that a, a we know that a women's soccer team in Orlando went to dinner together. Right. I'm not hearing. We talked to uh, Dr. David Petron about this. And he had noted the same thing, that the positives weren't coming from the weight room, the film room, the individual voluntary workouts. They were coming from the downtime social settings. Go to apartment, go out to dinner, go to a club. Indoors, unmasked people, small area. It seems like, I'm no epidemiologist, but it seems like that combination is always going to be a problem. So it's getting, it gets interesting if this is true, and, I, and I've read the same kind of stuff, but you know, none of us know, and we have to remember this is six months old, it's still just so infantile, is it's all of the items surrounding the game. So it's the locker room. Everyone's got to be masked or however you can do it. It's, it is the concept of a film room. By definition, it's, it's the bus, Right. It's probably not the hotels if you're all in individual rooms instead of single, but then it's congregating because you're 20-year-old kids. Like, it's an interesting thing. It's all of the things around the actual game Maybe the key. I mean, I think what's going to be really interesting is NBA, MLS, whether or not we see any, um, and this is, I think, really interesting for our kids, too, frankly, um, any transmission during sporting events. And if there's not, then that's great. And then you just have to be really diligent in the classroom. Is that all your questions now? Are you done reliving the good old days? Is your dad buying time? My dad's buying me time. That, by the way, right. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's pretty creative, by the way. Yeah, I, I worked at the campus radio station, so for free. Well, I didn't. <laughs> my campus didn't have a radio station. We created it. I was lucky mine did. I wasn't smart enough. I didn't know what I wanted to do. I totally lucked into it. Yeah, so we, I went to Occidental. We didn't have it. But we, my buddy, Mark Teitelman, who actually has gone on to win um, multiple sports Emmys for doing the SBs, the Women's World Cup. Um, he's actually the CBS football producer and director, and he's really quite brilliant. He and I were roommates, and we wanted to call our Occidental College games because um, we both wanted to get in the business. And so we tried to figure out how to do it. This was before streaming. And so we found a radio station in L.A. where you could buy time. And so um, we went and got alumni and raised enough money with alumni to buy the time. And so that's how then my dad knew about that from um, to get me talk show tapes. That was my college graduation present. There it is. Any more deep thoughts on the Utah Jazz of the week to analyze and overanalyze what we're about to see? Um, I mean, it's neat that they're back out on the floor. It sounds like they just had a regular practice yesterday, hearing from Rudy. Um, he made it sound like it was just good old days practice. Um, you know, they're trying to figure out, you know, it's crazy because I was texting with one of our coaches and, you know, they're really to some extent like rebuilding a team, right? Like, what's the rotation? Like, and I think we've talked about this before. What's hard for them is they have no data to really know a lot because Boyan and Rudy were on the floor together almost the entire time together. Um, they really matched Boyan's minutes with Rudy. Um, pretty smart. I didn't realize they actually had been doing it during the season. I'm kind of embarrassed by that. Um, but so the only data they have is that the Mike Conley, Jordan Clarkson, Joe Ingles, George Niang, Tony Bradley lineup was really on fire late in the year. 
Um, and now it's so are you actually trying to build your whole rotation system backwards um, off of a bench unit? Like it's an interesting. They're really almost rebuilding the how the team plays. I mean, what I don't know if you've thought about it, and it's pretty boring to do on the radio, but. You know, I'm assuming you're starting Joe, but frankly, the data shows you that Joe, Mike, and Donovan on the floor together is a really bad idea. It doesn't seem to have worked this year. When you separate them, they actually then it all works. Um, but I think you know we've seen Joe, you know, be un unengaged. Um, I guess would be the phrase. I'm not sure that's a word, but um, on the floor when he's not had the ball in his hands this year. Um, and when you're on the floor with Mike and Donovan, you don't get the ball in your hands. You're really just a spot-up shooter. And, you know, he doesn't. that doesn't seem to, to get him to be playing at his peak level. It's when you put the ball back in his hands that he's at his peak level. Well, how you know, what is the process to be able to get Joe those minutes while he's starting? Um, and it's going to be really, you know, so it gets really complicated. I mean, I think he's got to sub out and sub in pretty quickly because, frankly, the starting lineup doesn't, doesn't really work together, but they're, they're, they're missing the fifth guy in every lineup. So if you can put these lineups together to make you believe they're going to work, and they're missing the fifth guy. And I think it's going to be really interesting to see who the fifth guy is. It's really a power forward, right? So is it, is it Royce playing four? Is it George Miang playing four? Is it Emmanuel Moutier playing four? Um, is it Jarrell Brantley playing four? Is it Jawan Morgan? Like I you, don't, just, I, you just... You got to my next question. Is there somebody who's not playing at all that can be plugged in instead of altering the role of someone and taking them out of that productive role? And Morgan and Brantley, we've heard both privately and publicly positive statements about their development, but that doesn't mean they're at the point in their development where they're ready for this. Maybe it does. You know, maybe it doesn't. I'm, I'm not clear on that. Are you? All right, so I'm going to back up a step because I actually think there's another part to that conversation. And that is, and I have not done the math on this, I know that Corey Jez is the Jez, certainly probably has. And that is the potential seeding situations. Okay? So, like, if we win three games, then I think Dallas can't catch us, right? I don't know that exactly. But if we win four, then so-and-so can't catch us, right? If we win five, then so-and-so can't. Another team can't catch us, right? Like, you're kind of playing your magic number. The, the relevance to that is at some point in this process, your seeding options are going to get really low for the playoffs. Like there's just, it's going to minimize itself. And at that point uh, or earlier, if you can kind of figure it out beforehand, you have the opportunity to let Jarrell Brantley and Jawan Morgan play extended NBA minutes and, de- and see a chance for development that you just would never get any other way. Um, in the sense that one, you're playing only good teams. There's really no, but shouldn't other than the Wizards and the Nets, and, and we'll see what the Suns do. There shouldn't be anybody tanking. Um, and so, unlike March and April, where you might roll a guy out for 15 minutes and it's not really very like high level, this is actually going to be eight games that are fairly high level against good teams, and it's such a better learning environment and from both the player and the team about the player than the summer league. Summer league, I'm just not. I'm actually not a believer in it at all. But um, I'm sure coaches and GMs would snicker at me on that. I just often, ninety percent of the time, I think it's putting a player in a role that he's not going to play in the league. And so, Jarrell Brantley and Ron Morgan, in this circumstance, if you just 
decide you're giving them 14 or 16 minutes. That's 14 or 16 really good minutes in an NBA setting. It might be worth just doing that to see what they can do. The problem is you're trying to figure out who you are for the playoffs at the same time. And if they're not going to be a part of that, which I think is unlikely just because of how young they are and how you know they're not top 10 draft picks, um, then it's a little hard to do that in that setting. But it is an opportunity if things line up correctly. So as far as the playoff seeding, I know there's uh, a bunch of different teams they could face, but realistically, they're not going to drop to seven and play the Clippers. Uh, they could drop to six and play the okay. Nuggets. So the you've, Nuggets done the third? Math, you've done the math more than me. Without Boyan, playing only good teams, if we go two and six. Well, you're, you're, you're playing the Spurs twice without LaMarcus Aldridge, so I don't know that you're only that's playing not, good That's teams. good for the Spurs, not bad for the Spurs. You think they're going to come in? I I question. Well, they're just a much better team with Lamarcus Aldridge off the floor, both offensively and, and defensively. And I I get that he can be a high usage guy shooting long too. So if he's not hot, and he did have a night where he was hot against the Jazz, but if he's not hot, then that can make them a worse team. So I get where you're going with that. But are the Spurs going to come in trying guys out? Or are the Spurs going to come in desperate to make the playoffs? Yeah, I don't know. That's why I'm thinking that they don't have that much to play for, especially the second time they play. Right. I mean, I, so I don't I think, think we, I, I think we could really struggle. Just we're trying to figure it out. Yeah, and, and I get that, but I think other people may struggle too. I don't know that this is going to be the best basketball right out of the gate. I just think that the way the standings look, most of the combinations, and it, and it could break another way, but most of the combinations have the Jazz playing the Thunder, the Rockets. Now that home court, and it doesn't matter if you're four or five, you take that out of the mix. Um, it doesn't matter if you're three or six either, right? Not not a lot. I mean, it, it could matter because if you feel like we really want to play this team and we really don't want to play that team. Okay, so that could matter. Um, but I think they're probably playing the Thunder or the Rockets there is a chance they could get the Nuggets or the Mavs, but it seems pretty unlikely. Right. I mean, it's limited. So you just got to, yeah. I mean, um, it's funny, of all those teams, I wouldn't want to play the Mavs. The Mavs are the team that I fear the most in, um, if, I, if I was the Clippers, Lakers. Even with Ballers. their lack of playoff experience? Yeah, I just think they've got the most special player of the group. Um, I think... They have the most unique lineup with Chris Stapps. And while they certainly missed Dwight Powell an awful lot, they have some lineup groupings that are really, really great. And if they can uh, put those on the floor for much longer periods of time, it'll, I don't know that they'll still be as great because maybe part of the reason those lineup combinations are so great that Rick Carlisle used them conservatively. But I wonder if, if they get out there. Um, and then... You know, if you look at the data coming out of Europe on that league, the shooting is at a premium, and they've got some, they've got good shooting. I'm surprised you said Doncic is the most uh, I can't remember it's special, unusual, whatever. Uh, more than more than Harden, because there are plenty of Jazz fans listening to this who fear yeah, James I mean, Harden. I mean, I love James Harden, so um, you yeah, might concede uh, that point. But I, I mean, I, I don't know. I just, yeah, I mean, I love James Harden and probably I'm overstretching on Doncic there. Um, but I do just feel like he's, I mean, if it's not today, it's tomorrow, right? Right. That's, I, I totally agree with you on that. I just don't know that it's today in Orlando, you know? Right. You, you, I think, the, by the way, I think the basketball's going to be incredible very quickly. Really? Good. 
Uh-huh. I'm glad to hear it. If you just if you just do the timing on it, so they practiced yesterday. Uh-huh. They actually have 21 days now before they play the first game, right? Twenty. What is it? Uh, like the thirtieth. Yeah, so. we're inside of three weeks. We're just inside okay, of. Okay, that's weeks a now. lot. That's a, that's more than training camp. That's a, that's. I mean, if you go to the first day of practice after media day, the first game of the year, that's the same amount. Good. Yeah. I hope it works, and I hope they come out so, flying. I'm I'm ready so. to see some high level basketball. And then let's say that the first, let's say that the eight seeding games aren't very good. Let's just concede that for a second. Um, By the time you get to the playoffs, it could be good. Yes, I get right. that. Right. We're then yeah. six, they're six weeks in, and here are the reasons why it'll be great. No travel, no fatigue. They're playing every other day, which is how you keep an athlete at peak performance. There'll be no extended days off in the playoffs like they have been in the past, which mm-hmm. has been ridiculous. And. Instead of having played, this is where suddenly the break becomes an advantage. They're all now at peak performance. But instead of having played since October and an 82-game grind that they've been trying to manage and that they're mentally, you know, that they're fried, they're actually coming in having just had four months off and only been playing for a month. Now, there's the mental health element of being in a bubble, but that, you know, if you're, that'll be, you know, the downside. But I don't know if there will be a downside for all players. For some players, it'd be great. And I cannot tell you how fatiguing travel is. I just yeah. am the biggest believer that the that the as much as the sleep, the actual airplane flight. Like, I know there's been studies done on it. I'd like to read more. What that recycled air and being in a, a, on an airplane does to your body and fatigues you at this, even if it's at 1% or 2% or 3%, is enormous. And that's gone. And I think we're going to see particularly, I mean, if you think about by the time we get to the second round, David, and you have the final eight teams, and you don't have the Wizards or Nets doing their silly stuff that they're doing right now, and you now have been playing for, what, six weeks plus a three-week training camp, you're nine, they're, they're in perfect shape. They're nine weeks in. I look forward to it. David, as always, thanks for a few minutes. We appreciate it. Talk to you soon. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Utah Athletic Director Mark Harlan at 805 right here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. David Locke, play-by-play voice of the Utah Jazz. How each individual adapts to this environment and deals with it is going to dictate each individual's success and the team's success. This is so dramatically different than anything anyone's ever done before. From a social standpoint, from a preparation standpoint, from a game time standpoint, from a no-crowd standpoint, in some ways, I think it might be the best basketball we've ever seen. There'll be no distractions. No travel. Their rest will be very consistent. By the time we get to the second round of playoffs in September, these guys will have been playing for two months. They'll be at their peak. They won't be tired like they've come through an 82-game schedule. It could be the best basketball we've ever seen. Hanson Scotting. Weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. With a little extra time on your hands, it's time to talk about what we're doing to kill time. What did you watch last night with DJ and PK on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network? Too much time on my hands. Too much time on my hands. DJ and PK, it's 97.5. 
105 and 1280 The Zone. Gordon Monson joining us. Gordon, good morning. Good morning, DJ. How are you? Good. Thanks for filling in with PK on vacation. We appreciate it. Yeah, well, I hope uh, PK's having a good time. Yeah, It probably is. We were talking last night, planning for the show this morning, and I told you, you know, in this segment, what you were watching last night. And at that very moment, I was watching golf. (laughs) And part of the problem was I was only half paying attention because I was on the phone. You know, and when you multitask, yeah, you're doing two things, but you're giving up a little bit of... uh, a little bit of accuracy in one of the things you're doing, at the minimum. And this guy hits a golf shot. And I knew he was an older guy. And I knew he had a pretty good short game. And it was a nice chip. And when it turned around for a second, I thought it was Phil Mickelson. And I realized, well, it can't be Phil. This guy is just cut and chiseled. And he turned all the way around. It was Phil. Phil! Phil! You're a fat, happy, schlubby guy out there on the tour. There's no other way to say it. The tummy's bouncing one way while the legs are going the other. I remember one time, uh, DJ, we were, I was talking to someone on the air, and we were arguing over whether Phil Mickelson was an athlete or not. He is now. <laughs> well, he always the forearms were cut. I got to say, though, and I told you this at the time, and it cracked you up, this will never, ever go away. Activating the calves will always be funny. <laughs> when he's going into this overly detailed technical analysis during that made-for-TV thing with the quarterbacks, yes, and Tiger's in the foreground and just looks at the camera like, this is what I have to put up with. <laughs> that was so two brothers or cousins or college roommates playing golf. And Tiger brought this upon himself. He Remember the activating the glutes story? Yes. Okay. But that is, I'm telling you, that's just so college buddies, (laughs) brothers, extended family. It was perfect. And Tiger's deadpan delivery was spot on. And Phil was overselling it on purpose. And very well, I might add. But he said, activate the calves. I'm like, you know. Yeah, well, those two have never been overly chummy, I don't think. But that was hilarious. On some level, they're done beating each over the head. For uh, you know, another million dollar first place finish and a number one ranking and another major title, you know, and so there's probably still a little bit of that in their relationship. But now you can have a little more of this stuff. That was that was hilarious. I mean, that was uh, I don't know who your favorite comedy duo was, but those two comedy <laughs> gold. I'll give them some kind of Emmy or People's Choice Award or something. I'm like you two. That was well played. Yeah, and uh, I, I thought uh, Phil is just—he's. Have you followed him at all on Twitter? He's—he's he's pretty funny. He's—he's he's an entertaining guy, although overly analytical at times. Hey, he uh, put a golf tip out there, and I don't know where PK saw it on YouTube or whatever. But when you're chipping, you know, you're around the green. You got one of those uh, what what Johnny Miller used to call those touchy feely shots. <laughs> you know, you're 25 yards off the green, and you can't oh, take yeah. a full screen. And PK's like. Once you get into that zone, Phil says put all the weight on the front foot and put the front foot on the ball. The ball's forward in your stance, and then your arms are just kind of deadened, and it's just a pendulum. And you pick out that landing spot, and you visualize it, and then go. My chippings improved 10,000%. I, had, I played nine with PK and his wife last week, and I had like four up and downs. And PK, on the first one, he goes, you had all the weight on your front foot. I'm like, you gave me that tip. It totally works. It totally, it's so, I'm not good. I'm actually bad, okay? I am not bragging. I'm not even going down the street to where you start bragging. I'm staying up the road from there. But uh, that not, tip, not knowledge is solid power. gold. Knowledge is power. Oh my gosh. And yeah. It, it Thank does you. 
Yeah. Walter Cronkite yeah. School of Broadcasting. You annoy the bleep out of me. But in this case, one Sun Devil to another Sun Devil to me <laughs> for the win. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Well, you're half watching golf, half talking to me. Mm-hmm. I'm half watching Judgment at Nuremberg and half talking oh. to you. So try that sometime. Oh, see, that's the kind of history we're supposed to learn that and know, <laughs> right? There's some things that are hard to watch. I've been told I have to watch the movie 13th, and I I I wanted to see if we had it uh, on one of the multiple services. I figured we had to because we have too much video available. And we're paying too much for it, but whatever. And so, uh, and it, it came up, and and someone said something to me, and I didn't stop it, and it started playing. It just—I don't know if I hit a button or what, but it started playing. And like forty-five seconds played, and I really didn't have time to watch, you know, a long show at that point. The first forty-five seconds alone, so heavy. Oh my yeah. gosh, the first four. And I'm like, I need to watch this. I'm going to learn stuff I don't know that I need to know. But I'm already judgment at Nuremberg sounds like it should go right next to it. That's another thing. I well, know I need to know this, but I I don't know that I can do this. It's not light watching, you know. I mean, it's like the two of the toughest movies I ever saw uh, fighting my way through were the first 15 minutes of uh, Saving Private Ryan and uh, Schindler's List. But you I, have to I'm see it. Totally with you, and I did see Saving Private Ryan all the way to the end. Yeah. It's Schindler's uh, it's, List. It's hard. I couldn't it's do not, it. I turned it off, and I've never gone back. I have yeah. to admit. I, I think every high school senior in America should watch Schindler's List just to remind them. It's hard to, it's hard to see, but, man, I'll tell you, it teach you a thing or two. DJ and PK, Gordon Monson sitting in. Mark Harlan, Utah AD, is going to join us next. Conference-only season on the table. What's he thinking about football? We'll ask him next.